Tired of the everyday grind? Ever dream of a life of romantic adventure? Want to get away from it all? We offer you Escape. Escape, designed to free you from the four walls of today for a half hour of high adventure. You are walking the streets of an Indian city. Terrifying, sweltering streets. While the man you fear has already made his mark on you. A mark from which there can be no escape. So listen now as Escape brings you James Leal Henderson's frightening story, The Untouchable. shame about Rydell's having to go to India. It was a shame about the leprosy, too. He was a little man, balding, pale, and in his early 40s. He was fussy and precise, and an absolute fanatic about cleanliness. So you can see he was the last man on earth to send to India, even with his wife Prudence along to take care of him. Rydell and I were thrown together on a job. We met for the first time in the Hotel Imperial in Delhi. He was a chemical engineer, and I'm a construction engineer. We'd been hired separately to look over the possibilities of a chemical plant in India. It was a job I needed, needed badly. I bounced around the globe a lot. Asia's not too bad when you get to know it, but Rydell... Well, the poor guy was in misery. He was right out of a Cleveland suburb and terrorized by a germ. We had been in New Delhi a week... And I couldn't move Henry Rydell out of the hotel, even for business. He'd walled himself off and just sat brooding about India's squalor beyond the window. I'd worked my head off for the two of us, getting things set up, and then it came time to go on tour around the country and look for a plant site. I went to his hotel room one afternoon. He was standing at the open window, looking down at the street. Hello, Fred. Back, eh? Uh Uh-huh. I've been in 14 government offices. Count him, Henry, 14. But we're squared away now. Oh, boy, I'm knocked out. I'm sorry, but I just didn't feel up to going with you today. Yeah, yeah, I know. How do you feel? Take all your pills? Yes. Mm-hmm. But I'd feel a lot better if that snake charmer would stop playing that screechy pipe. It's been driving me crazy. And those cobras being so near. And believe me, Henry, those are the sickest snakes on earth. They wouldn't bite on invitation. Well, why don't you just tell them to go away? He's filthy, Fred. I wouldn't go near him. He doesn't want to dance with you. He wants some money. Well, I'll get rid of him. Hey, snake walla. Here you are, walla. Nice fat rupee. Now, no more music. Understand? No more. Go. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, now we can talk, Henry. First, how about a drink? Sure, Fred. I'll have one with you. Uh, scotch? Yeah, fine, fine. Fred, I'm afraid I've only got one glass left that's been put in boiling water. Just give me a glass, Henry. Any glass will do. You should be more careful. A British fellow was telling me yesterday... The whiskey will kill the germs, if any... Look, Henry, I know you've asked the company for a replacement, but we haven't got time to wait for him. You're going to have to go on this trip yourself. I... I... You'll have to. We made an agreement. I know, but nobody told me it was going to be like this. Nothing safe to eat. Water buffalo. Who ever heard of eating a water buffalo? And the vegetables will kill you if you touch them. No, let's not go through that again. Oh, hello, Fred. How are you? You look tired. Oh, hello, Prue. I am tired. Rough day. 
Yeah, that's a nice piece of ivory. Isn't it? Buddha. It's very old. I wanted you and Henry to see it. I bought it down in the bazaar. How can you stand it down in those dirty bazaars? Oh, Henry, don't be silly. Uh, well, if you two are going... No, I'd like you to stay for a minute, if you will, Prue. I think you ought to hear this. I just told Henry that we can't stall on this trip one day longer, so I've bought two tickets for tonight's flight to Bombay. That's going to be our first stop. Tonight? Yeah. I won't do it, Fred. I, I just can't. Jumping around this terrible country, you can never tell what'll happen to you. And, and what about Prudence? No, Fred, you, you've got to wait. I just don't feel well We've at got all. a job to do, Henry. Now pull yourself together. Prue can't come. Accommodations are tight and we'll probably have to travel around the sticks. It's fairly primitive sometimes. And it, it just won't work with her along. I'll take good care of you. We'll, we'll boil everything. We'll boil a whiskey if you insist. How long do you think it'll be, Fred? Oh, three weeks maybe, no longer. Three weeks? Uh, Henry, it'll be all over soon, and we'll be back home. Yes, but, but Prudence, I just don't feel right about this. I, I'm afraid. You must go, Henry. Fred's depending on you. We'll be ready, Fred. I'll pack for him. <laughs> Well, we got off all right with Prudence pushing from behind. We flew down from Delhi and landed at the Bombay airport at first light. Then we climbed aboard the airline bus for the long ride through town to the Taj Mahal Hotel. Good Lord, it was hot. Vicious. The air was pure steam. You couldn't breathe. And on the walks, the homeless were beginning to stir. Thousands of them. No place to live, no place to go. The human wreckage of Asia. Oh, it is so hot. Bad. No, it is just before the monsoon. Well, we'll get us an air-conditioned room, Henry. A cool bath. Nice mango for breakfast. Fresh fruit? Oh, not for me. Taj is a good hotel, Henry. Bombay is pretty modern, even with all the poor you've been seeing on the streets. You'll see. Well, come on. This is it. It's a nice, cool bath waiting. <laughs> Fred, look, look. What? Oh, yeah. Bakshi. Poor devil. Bakshi. Fred, look at him. Bakshi. What is it? I, I've never seen anything so horrible. His hands. Look. He's a leper, Henry. Come on, he won't hurt you. Fred, don't let him touch me. Don't let him. Come on, Henry. I'm hot and I want to get out of here. Now, come on. Fred. She's for a sick man, Sam. Sam. One rupee, Sam. Here. Take it easy, Willem. All right, Henry, let's go. Oh, Fred, his hands. They were horrible. After seeing the leper, it was three days before I could drag Henry Rydell out of the hotel for a business meeting in town. And when I did, he clung to me like a little boy lost. But we did make some headway on our plans, and I felt more cheerful after the meeting. I talked Henry into having dinner in a Chinese restaurant a few blocks from the hotel. The place was spotless, and the food was good. Henry stoked up on rice, and I almost caught him smiling once. Then afterwards, we sauntered back to the hotel through the dark, stifling night. Well, that's the first decent meal I've seen you eat in India, Henry. It was good. I'd like to eat there again tomorrow, Fred. Sure, why not? But of course, you never can tell. The bugs might be anywhere. I'll take some tablets when we get back to the room. Yeah, you do that. Now, you out with those bugs every time, Henry. Oh, say, look... Here's uh -huh. a store of prudence would like nothing but ivory. Uh, Fred, uh, wait a moment, will you? I, I, I want to look. Sam, Master Bakshi, uh, for a sick man. I looked back. Sam. That same poor devil of a Bakshi, leper had moved Sam. out of the darkened doorway of the store and was Bakshi, pawing Henry. Sam. No, get away from me. Don't Sam. touch me. Sam, please, please, no, leave me alone. Fred, his hands, they touch me. Here, voila. Voila, pick him up. For heaven's sake, get away. Get away. 
Henry washed all right, thoroughly. He washed for half an hour. This I didn't mind, but as I turned and twisted in bed through the hot blanketing night, I could hear him. Every few minutes, washing, washing. He kept it up day and night. Wherever we were, washing harder and harder. He scrubbed those places on his arm and wrist with a brush until the skin was rubbed raw. For two days it went on like that, but I let it pass. I didn't say anything. I needed him for the tour, good or bad. Gosh knows he wasn't worth much in that state, but he was docile. Nice and docile. Nothing seemed to bother him so long as he had a place to wash. Henry, you're clean enough for tonight. You've got to grab some sleep. If I keep at this thing, maybe I can prevent infection. If you keep at it, you'll wear your arm away. No, I figure if I just scrub down in there below the skin, I'm sure to kill it. Henry, we're pretty well finished up here in Bombay. Tomorrow I thought we'd shove off for Bangalore and look around. Sure, but... Fred, that's fine by me, anything you say. A day there ought to be enough, and then Madras. The way things are shaping up, Madras may be the spot for the plant. Henry? Madras. I thought we'd stick around Madras about a week. Okay, Fred. Yeah. I thought you might wire Prudence and ask her to meet us there. No. No, I don't want to do that. Not now. <laughs> Why, Henry? There's no point in it. I'd rather she stayed in Delhi until this tour is finished. She's used to it there, Fred, and there's no telling what you and I will be doing. Why, Henry? I don't want Prudence to come. That's final. All right. Just forget it. But, Henry, listen to me. Please. Stop worrying about that leper touching you. Nothing's going to happen. We will return to escape in just a moment. But first, tomorrow night, the Lux Radio Theater brings Joan Fontaine and Charlton Heston to its microphones, co-starring in The President's Lady... It's the true scandal-ridden story of President Andrew Jackson and his wife, Rachel, with Joan in the title role and Charlton as Old Hickory. That's on the Lux Radio Theater. The same night, CBS Radio stars Mr. John Hodiak in Suspense's production of Hellfire. Yes, tomorrow night on most of these same CBS radio stations. And now, back to Escape. Madras, South India. The warm, wet wind off the Bay of Bengal. The ceaseless rustle of the cocoa palms outside our hotel. And the inevitable snake charmer with his toneless pipe. I worked hard in Madras. Maybe too hard. I didn't see that Henry was cracking up. Badly. But don't get me wrong. He made good sense. And on the business side, it was perfect. When I said yes, he said yes. Anything I didn't like, Henry didn't like it either. Ideal for me. He had the big reputation from the States which the Indian people wanted, and I ran the show. I was hoping to nail down a deal right there. A day or two more, and we'd be all set. And it had been a long time. 
A long, long time. But as I said, poor old Henry. Coming apart. One afternoon, I was going over plans in our room. Uh, yes. Yes, I understand. Then, with the plant here, we'd have to put in a railroad siding leading somewhere through just about in here. Oh. There's room for a landing strip just to... Henry, what's the matter? Uh, nothing. What the devil are you up to? What are you doing to your arm? It, it's all right, Fred. Nothing. Go ahead with the plan. No, I want to see. You've been pinching yourself. Henry, for heaven's sake. I want to make sure that I can feel it when I pinch myself. Sometimes I don't. Fred. Henry, now, sit still and listen to me. And, and try to get this through your head. You haven't got leprosy. Oh, yes. No, but... there's not a chance in a million or even ten million that you've got it. Yes, but that man... I know, I know the leper touched you, but the disease is just not that contagious. If he rubbed you all night with his hands, you wouldn't get it. Now, take my word for it. There are exceptions, Fred. Yeah, maybe, but I doubt it. And you're not one of them anyway. Now, Henry, believe me. There's not a chance in the world of your having leprosy. And if you did, you wouldn't know it for years. But I catch things easily, Fred. I always have. And when I pinch myself here on the wrist real hard, I don't Henry... feel a thing, honestly. Up here, I can feel it on my arm, so there must be something. To... I'm going to get a doctor. No, no, Fred, no, please. What? He might send me to one of those awful colonies here in India. I, I might never get home. I'm going to get a doctor. No. Fred, I... Please, I... I believe you now. I... I, I don't have it. I... I, I couldn't have it. You don't have to get a doctor. Okay, Henry. We'll let it go for now. But forget leprosy, will you? Just hang on to yourself for a few more days until we get this deal set and then everything will be fine. Did I say everything would be fine? Just how wrong can you be? I wired Prudence in Delhi and told her to hustle down to Madras on the first available plane, and meanwhile, I just played for time, but there wasn't enough of it. Then one night, I woke up when I heard Henry moving about during the quiet hours of the early morning. His bed lamp was on. What is it, Henry? Henry, what's the matter? I have it. I'm diseased. I have leprosy. No. Go back to bed, Henry. Please. We'll talk about it in the morning. Everything will seem different in the daylight. Come it on. won't help to talk about it. I've, I've got it, that's all. I'm unclean, Fred. I'm a leper. A leper. Please. Henry, try to sleep. Oh, Fred, I, I can prove it. Watch. See, I don't feel a thing. The flesh is dead. No, stop that. Stop it, Henry. I'm diseased. A leper. An untouchable. No, you're not. You're Henry Rydell, an American businessman from Cleveland, Ohio, with an obsession. You're all right, Henry. Here, you do it, Fred. No. Here, stick me with this. Anywhere on my lower arm. I'll show you. I don't feel it. Henry, stop it. I know I'm diseased, but I, I won't touch you, Fred. Just stick me with a pin as deep as you want. Do it, Fred. Do it. Go on. Stick me. Stick me. Stick me. Stick stop me. Stop it. I'm a leper. Yeah. I guess that's right. Will you try to sleep now, Henry? Yes. I'll sleep. I'm tired. But, Fred, you won't tell anyone about this. I, I, I mean a doctor or anyone like no, that. No, of course it's not. It's got no. to be our secret, Fred. Not even Prudence can know. You see, they might try to send me to one of those colonies, and I couldn't stand it, Fred. Fred, you promise? I promise, Henry. Now go to sleep. When... This deal is signed for you. I'll just disappear, Fred. I, I don't know where yet, but nobody will ever hear from me again. I got up early the next morning to meet the plane from Delhi. Prudence was coming. Thank heaven she was coming. 
Henry was still sleeping like a stone. I left quietly, praying to get back with Prudence before he waked. I was scared, and... Well, I didn't like myself much. I had dragged Henry into this appalling mess and then let it get out of hand because I wanted that contract. I wanted to make a buck. On the way from the airport to the hotel, I tried to break Prudence in gently, but the simple fact that I and not Henry had wired her was enough to convince her that something was seriously wrong. Fred, please, you can stop beating about the bush. Just tell me, what's wrong with Henry? Well, Prudence, he has an obsession. Um, he thinks he has leprosy. Oh, no. He's not in his right mind, Prudence. You've got to be prepared for that. But, but why didn't you send for me sooner, Fred? Why didn't you? Well, he didn't want me to. He doesn't want to see me. But he's needed me so much all our lives. Uh, all I've ever done is take care of Henry. At home, I always... Prudence, now, try to understand. This isn't home. It's India. And Henry thinks he's a leper. At the hotel, Prudence and I hurried to the room. But the door was locked from the inside. Henry! Henry, open the door! It's Prudence! Henry! Henry, please open the door! I know he's in there. Oh, I want to help you, darling. Please let me in. Please! Prudence, go away. Go back home. No, no, I want to see you. Please, let me in. It's no use, Prudence. Forget me. I'm unclean. Go back home. Henry! You've got to forget me, Prudence. Don't you see? I'm dead. For you, I'm dead. I'm finished. Oh, Henry. Henry Riddell is dead. <laughs> for a doctor then, fast. Fortunately, there was one with offices right in the hotel building. Nice-looking young fellow, an Indian, dark and slender, and he wore Indian rather than European clothing. It certainly wasn't very coherent, and a perplexed expression came into his face. But he took up his kit and came along with me. We may have to force our way in, doctor. So? Uh, this is a very strange case, Mr. McAllister? It sure is. Well, here we are. Anything happen, Prudence? No, he won't even answer me anymore. Henry! Henry! Well... Who's that Indian? Mr. Rydell? No. Don't you come near me. Don't. You've got it, too. You all have disease, leprosy, leprosy, and I've got it. Get away. Don't touch me. Don't touch me. No, Fred. Brooks. Don't let him touch me. Don't let him touch me, Fred. That was it. End of chapter. Dr. Pataswamy shot him full of drugs, knocked him out. A few days later, Henry Rydell left India by plane and on a stretcher, tied down, too. But Prudence was along to take care of him. As for me, tough. I lost the contract. Deserved to, I guess. The way I treated Henry, dragging him around India in that condition... End of chapter, but not quite the end of the story. I knocked around Asia for months after that, and all the time I wondered how poor old Henry came out. But never a word. Then one day I found myself back in the States again, in Cleveland, as a matter of fact. I went out to see what had happened to him. Henry was not in a leper colony, nor even an insane asylum. 
Henry was in front of his own house, raking leaves. He looked older, but otherwise fit enough. Funny thing, though, I said hello, and he said hello, and then he said... I have to go in now. Uh, but Henry, no, wait, wait, wait a moment. Yes? Well, I just want to tell you that I'm glad you're well again. You don't know how glad. It's a load off my mind. Henry. Henry, you remember me, don't you? Fred McAllister. Yes. I remember you. How's Prudence? Prudence is in good health, thank you. Fine. Fine. Happy to hear it. Well, um, aren't you going to... Oh. Anything? What's the matter? Nothing, huh? I'm all right. Henry had grabbed his left arm as if it had suddenly been scalded and burned. And you know what it was? An ant. A tiny ant crawling on the skin. Feeling had come back to his arm all right with a vengeance. Well, I have to go in now. Goodbye, Fred. Bye, Henry. I'm glad to see you home again. Under the direction of Anthony Ellis, Escape has brought you The Untouchable, a story by James Leal Henderson, starring John Daner as Fred and Parley Bear as Henry. Featured in the cast were Joan Danton, Jack Crucian, and Charles Davis. The special music for Escape was composed and conducted by Leith Stevens. Next week... You are in your house, surrounded by all that is secure and normal. While outside... Your children are playing a new and wonderful game. The result of which will mean for you a fate from which there is no escape. So listen next week when Escape will bring you Ray Bradbury's terrifying story, Zero Hour. Tomorrow night, when Arthur Godfrey beckons to the new talent scouts and their discoveries, you'll meet Ed Stroll, a popular songman, Martha Flowers, who has a way with semi-classical songs, and the Fletcher Peck Trio, as unusual a novelty group as you've heard in a long, long time. They're all potential winners on Arthur Godfrey's talent scouts. Yours for fun and human interest, tomorrow night on most of these same CBS radio stations. Be sure to hear it. Arthur Godfrey's Talent Scouts. This is Roy Rowan speaking. And remember, there's action as a policeman really finds it in 21st Precinct, Tuesdays on the CBS Radio Network. of the everyday grind ever dream of a life of romantic adventure want to get away from it all we offer you escape escape 
designed to free you from the four walls of today for a half hour of high adventure. in your house, surrounded by all that is secure and normal, while outside, your children are playing a new and wonderful game. Well, thanks. Thanks a lot. How nice. Are you in town? No, I'm in Danbury. I was just thinking of you. Thought I'd call. It's long distance, though. You shouldn't. Oh, I can afford three minutes. How's Henry? Oh, fine. And Bill? Oh, just fine. What about me? Oh, wonderful. Noisier than ever. She's got a new game now. It's taking the place of hopscotch. Invasion. Is she playing that, too? Well, yes. Are yours? Same thing. Some kind of geometric jacks, I suppose. Isn't it a scream? All the kids their age are playing it up here. Timmy's got a crush on some guy named uh, Drill. I think that's what it is. Well, it, it must be a new password. Mine likes him, too. I didn't know it got to New York. Word of mouth, I suppose. You know kids. Funniest thing, I got a letter from my sister in Boston. She says her kids are playing it, too. It's sweeping the country. I wonder where they learned it. Don't ask me. All I know is what Timmy told me at lunch. Zero hours at five o'clock. When? Today. That's when the invasion's going to be. These kids and their imaginations. And they talked a little more. Schoolgirl friends. Casual woman talk. But Mrs. Morris was thoughtful. She was thinking of other things. Of adults. Of children under nine with imagination, rose bushes, dimensions. She thought of how much she had forgotten about being a child, and she wondered about Mink and all the kids who at that moment were playing Invasion. Oh, no, not if I know Fred. I'm so glad you called. Give my love to Henry and a kiss for Mink. I will, and to Bill and the kids. Thanks, dear. Goodbye. Goodbye. An hour drowsed by. It was three o'clock. There was an occasional hum inside the coolness of the house as a car passed outside. The street was lined with good green and peaceful trees. And all across the city, in other gardens and other places, children under nine were excitedly playing a game, talking to rose bushes and grass lawns, trees and shrubs. Even children in apartment houses high in the air, conferring with potted plants. Cactus and ivy. Mrs. Morris finished the vacuuming and went to the kitchen. Oh, hello, dear. Hi, Mom. Can I have a glass of water? Oh, of course. I'll get it. Hello, Morris Square. 47. A over 56 to the 7th degree. XG7. Hmm? What, dear? Oh, nothing, Mom. Well, here you are. Thanks. How are things going? Hmm? The invasion. Oh, that. Yes, that. Almost finished. When everything's right, Drill said we should be ready on time. Five o'clock. That's right. How did you know? Well, Helen called me from Danbury. She says Timmy's playing it, too. Hey, that's keen. I guess all the kids are, aren't they? Mm, no, not all of them. That guys like Pete Britz and Dale Jarrett. They're growing up. They make fun of us. They're even worse than parents. They just won't believe in Drill. They're so smart just because they're growing up. You'd think they know better. They were little only a couple of years ago. Well, we're going to get rid of them first. Drill says it's okay to kill them first. Now, wait a minute. I don't like that kind of talk, Mink. Do you hear me? I don't like it at all. Oh, Mom. No, I mean it. You keep on that way and there's no more playing. You'll have to tell Anna to go home and you'll stay inside until bedtime. I'm sorry. Well, I should think so. Thanks for the wire, Mom. Mink? Uh-huh. What do those numbers mean? What numbers? 
Well, those numbers you were saying to yourself before. Oh, that? Well, they're just things that we have to do to get Grill and his friends out. That's all. Look, dear, oh, why don't you and Anna go down to the drugstore and get some ice cream, huh? You don't have to use your allowance. I'll pay for it. Haven't got time, Mom. Well, I'd never believe I'd hear you say that. I gotta go now, Mom. Oh, wait a minute. Uh, Mink, I, I want you to tell me the truth. What is this invasion silliness? It isn't silly. It... Well, it's just a game. That's all. We're just playing at invasion. Excuse me, I gotta get back now. I'll see you later. We will return to escape in just a moment. But first, this is Fire Prevention Week, proclaimed by the president and supported by all responsible businesses and individuals. Fires start, on the average, at the rate of one every 20 seconds somewhere in America. Through them, 11,000 lives a year and hundreds of millions of dollars in property are lost. Clean out burnables, eliminate frayed wires, and all other hazards. Don't give fire the place to start, in your home or business. And now, back to Escape. a game called Invasion. Mrs. Morris's little girl, Mink, was playing it. So was Mink's friend, Anna, and all the other children under nine. It was called Invasion, and zero hour was to be at five o'clock. Mrs. Morris was disturbed. She wasn't sure why, but there was something, something about parents shutting ears and eyes to what was happening. And because she was disturbed, she did something she didn't usually do. She called her husband at the office. Hello, dear. Oh, hello, Henry. I, uh, I'm sorry to bother you, but Miss Maxson said you weren't busy. Oh, not too. I should be able to get home early today. Everything all right? Yes. You all right? I'm fine. Think? Well, she's... Henry. What, dear? Oh, oh nothing. I just wanted to talk to you for a minute. That's all. <laughs> Listen, uh, you sure you're all right? Oh, yes. Mink been getting on your nerves? Not really. Well, now, you tell her to behave. When I come home, she and I are going to have a talk. Matter of fact, she's been a little fresh lately. I don't think it's good for her to... Well, she's playing outside. She, she's fine. Honey, is something wrong? Well, no, I told you. I, I was thinking about you and wanted to talk. That's all. Nothing wrong with that. Not a thing. Well, you go back to your work, dear. I'll see you soon. All right. What time do you think you'll be home? About five. Maybe a little earlier. Five. Oh. Hey. What? Come on. What? Well, I was just thinking. <laughs> Nothing, really. Just Mink and you and me. Good thoughts. <laughs> Goodbye, dear. So long. You, uh, you are okay, aren't you? Oh, I'm fine. Goodbye. Bye. Another hour passed, and it was half past four. The day began to wane. The sun lowered in the peaceful blue sky. Shadows lengthened on the green lawn. Outside, it was quiet. The two little girls more intent than ever upon their endless movement of design and pattern with the implements before them. Mrs. Morris watched from the window, and she had never known Mink to have such powers of concentration. She had switched on the radio and sat drinking a cup of coffee and turned over her thoughts. Children, children. Children love and hate side by side. Sometimes children love you and hate you all in half a second. Strange children. 
Do they ever forget or forgive the whippings and the harsh, strict words of command? Hmm. I wonder. I wonder. How can you forget or forgive those over and above you? Those tall, silly dictators. Those parents. Mom! Oh, what is it, dear? Have we got a piece of lead pipe and a hammer? Well, I don't know. They might be in the garage. What do you want them for? Oh, we just need them. Well, if you tell me, I can find them. I can get them. Thanks, Mom. Is something wrong? Real stuck halfway. If we could get them all the way through, it'd be easier. And all the others could come through after them. Well, can I help? Thanks, Mom. I can fix it. You better get through, Mink. I want you to take your bath before your father comes home. All right. He's coming home early. And Mink... Mink! Mink had disappeared behind the shrubs, and Mrs. Morris knew it was ridiculous to make an issue of it. Besides, what was the issue? Invasion? Drill? Zero hour? Unaccountably, a cool breeze came up, and although normally for that time of year it would have been a relief, Mrs. Morris felt a chill... She closed the window. Time passed. A curious waiting silence came upon the street, deepening. Then from the living room, Mrs. Morris heard... right. Mrs. Morris, knowing how foolish it was, knowing it, went to the phone and dialed. Silly. Silly. The time will be exactly 4.54 and 20 seconds. 4.54 and 20 seconds. And Mrs. Morris knew that it wasn't as silly as she had thought. Because it wasn't 5 o'clock yet. Not zero hour yet. Then the car drove up into the driveway. Mrs. Morris heard him chuckle, then his steps up the walk to the front door. Mary! Oh, I'm in the living room, dear. Oh. Hi. Uh, daughter didn't have time for a kiss. How about you? <laughs> Hard day? Oh, not particularly. Would you like a cocktail? You read my mind. Martini? Perfect. Anything exciting happen today? No. Oh, Helen called. Oh? From Danbury. I told her she was crazy, but she just felt like calling. <laughs> like you calling me this afternoon. Crazy, huh? Uh, what was that all about? Well, I told you I wanted to. Uh, hey, uh, incidentally, uh, what's this new game the kids are playing? Zero Hour Invasion. That's a nice, depressing thought. Oh, I don't know. Something silly. They're, they're all playing it these days. Here. Thanks. Oh. You make the best martinis in the world. I'm glad you think so. And there's been a beautiful day. You know, I kept looking out the window wishing I was anywhere but in that office. What's the time, Henry? A couple of minutes after five. Why? No, no, the clock's wrong. By your watch. Hmm? Oh, uh, 
Well, I've got two minutes, too. I'm probably slow. You got something on the stove? No, I... I just wondered. Honey. Hey. Look at me. What's the matter? Well, nothing, really. No. no really. Mink been up to something? Of course not. Then what? Well, I... I guess I'm a little tired. Upset, that, that's all. You want to go out for dinner? Oh, no, no. I got a steak here. Well, I tell you what. I'll barbecue it. How's that be? Oh, fine. What was that? What? I... I thought I heard something. Well, I didn't. I... I must have been imagining it. Hey, you are jumpy. Why don't you have a drink? Do you good? No, I don't want one. What's the time? Mary, what is this? Well, I mean it. Something's wrong. Now I want to know. It's silly. It's so silly. I... I'm on edge, that's Mary, all. I am. I don't like it. That kid's done something, hasn't she? I'm going to get her in Oh, no, here. no, Henry, please, don't. She, she hasn't... It, it's nothing at all. I, I just... What's that? I... I don't know. Well, those kids haven't got anything dangerous out there, have they? I notice a lot of junk lying around. Oh, no. no nothing dangerous. Just things, you know. Nothing electrical? Well, no, I... I'm sure not. Oh. What the devil? Well, maybe you better go out and tell them to stop playing now. It's after five. You tell me to put off the invasion until tomorrow. Tell oh, them. It's coming from outside. So what are they up to? I'd better take a look. Mink! Mink! Good Lord! Ah! Oh! They're bombing! Oh, no, no, it's, it's upstairs. I know it is. In the attic. That's where it is. Mary! that quickly. Any excuse to get him away from the outside, to get him upstairs to the attic in time. And outside, there were more explosions and they could hear the children screaming with delight. He's not in the attic. He's outside. Mink's out there. What's the matter with you? No, no. I'll show you. Hurry! Get inside quick. Now. We're safe until tonight. Mary. Maybe we can sneak out later. Maybe we can escape. Are you crazy? Why'd you throw the key away? For heaven's sake, the kid's out there. Do you want to... Oh, you don't know. You don't. We've got to stay here. We've got to. It's horrible. We've got to. You've got to stay here with me. Well, at this point, I don't know how the devil I can get out. Where's that light cord? Be quiet, please. Be quiet. They'll hear us. They'll find us. Oh, Henry, please. Uh, Who's going to answer them? There's that noise again. It's in this house. Mary, what is it? Mary, what's happening? You know, now answer me. Stop that, Mary. Somebody's downstairs. Who's down there? Oh, no, 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 And between his wife's terror and the electric humming from below, Mr. Morris felt a great fear. They trembled together in silence in the attic, Mr. and Mrs. Morris, parents of the little girl. Then they heard steps coming up the stairs and a voice. Mom! Dad! Where are you? And a queer, cold light became visible under the door crack a strange odor, and the alien sound of eagerness in Mink's voice was almost more than they could bear. Each wanted to scream. Mom! Dad! And another sound. And the attic door lock melted. Mink. Mink, with bright little eyes and tousled hair, peered inside. And behind her, 
Tall, wavering blue shadows. Frightful shadows. and adaptation of the story were by Anthony Ellis. Tonight, you heard Paula Winslow as Mrs. Morris and Issa Ashdown as Mink, with John Daner as the narrator. Featured in the cast were Eve McVeigh, Bill Johnstone, and Mary McGovern. The special music for Escape was composed and conducted by Leith Stevens. Next week... You are together in a room... You and the one you love. The objects of an experiment. While the man who has dared you to undergo his test is waiting for the moment when you break and in your defeat find that there is no escape. So listen next week when Escape will bring you Stephen Vincent Benet's unusual story, Elementals. has seldom had it so good. Starting this Monday night, Vaughn Monroe joins forces with the famous Sauter Finnegan Orchestra, and Sally Sweetland adds her feminine vocalizing to the Monday Night Caravan on CBS Radio. You'll make it a listening habit every week once you've heard the Monday Night Caravan featuring the songs of Vaughn Monroe, the remarkable musical approach of the Sauter Finnegan Organization, and the vocals of Sally Sweetland. Remember, premiere tomorrow night on most of these same stars' address stations. This is Roy Rowan speaking. Preceding program was transcribed. Suspense is heard Monday evenings on the CBS radio network.